up over the mountains by us that there was five orangey red lights just zipping around and making all kinds of sharp turns and uh, flying around over the mountains. And of course, we're all sitting there staring at this like, what is this? And all of a sudden, they all made a V shape like you would see birds flying. They all got into a V shape and then they swooped down over our street and flew right over us and then disappeared out to the skyline. Strange objects, one of them like a spinning top moving against the wind, appeared almost daily from the summer of 2014 to March 2015, high in the skies over the East Coast. Navy pilots reported to their superiors that the objects had no visible engine or infrared exhaust plumes, but they could reach 30,000 feet and hypersonic speeds. Tonight we talk about disclosure. These objects have gotten the attention of the Navy, and the Navy is calling them unexplained aerial phenomena or unidentified flying objects. What does the government know, and when will they tell us? That and more coming up on My Alien Life. I occasionally think how quickly our differences worldwide would vanish if we were facing an alien threat from outside this world. Yet, I ask you, is not an alien force already among us? My Alien Life is recorded live from atop the Northern Rocky Mountains and is available on Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes, and everywhere fine podcasts are found. My website is at www.myalienlifepodcast.com. There you will find my email address, all previously recorded shows, and more. I am Cameron Brower. This is My Alien Life, and the podcast starts right now. Tonight in the studio, I have the boys of YouTube's Black Lotus Productions. Black Lotus Productions on YouTube focuses on conspiracy theories, the paranormal, UFOs, of course, aliens, and all things strange and unusual. You can also find Damien and Ralph on Facebook. You can search their names, follow them from my page, and also find them in the Black Lotus discussion group on Facebook. Welcome, Damien Gray, Ralph Torlucci. How are you guys? How's Vegas tonight? Uh, Vegas is uh, warming up. We're supposed to be at 95 tomorrow, I guess. Nice. Thanks for having us on. You bet. Thanks for thanks for having having me uh, in your home tonight. And I've been trying to get the three of us together for a couple of weeks. And uh, um, I know when you guys do podcasts or videos, how do technical difficulties fit in with your paranormal format? Uh, you know, we've had some issues, but not really so much lately. 
we, we you know we use that OBS to record and it, it, OBS is doing something weird right now <laughs> with an echo and it lasts for about maybe 20 30 seconds and it's frustrating because I don't know what's going on but yeah I'm, yeah I'm fighting demons in this system all the time and you know I'm gonna make have to make some changes because you know the, I don't have enough time to in life to actually mess with all the new software and everything that I'm trying to download and, and trying to interface with my current system it just doesn't work so last you guys didn't know this but we so we tried to do this last week and um during right when we got started at a transformer blow up on the pole near my house and uh so i lost electricity for a little while and and actually before before we even we even tried to uh start a podcast i was driving home and got pulled over by the police and that, that took about 10 minutes and I was, I was running behind and I was like, man, sometimes it just doesn't seem like this is going to going to happen. But I, yeah. I'm, I'm glad to see you guys um, and hear you guys and glad we got together. But uh, so I kind of wanted to talk about just about anything that we uh, we could feel that uh, we can fill an hour with tonight. But one of the things that have been happening of course, in the news, um, we were talking about this earlier, uh, last week and this week, we had uh, some articles in the uh, New York Post, the New York Times. There was uh, s articles all over Facebook, um, Rolling Stone, Fox News, CNN, um, about the U.S. government acknowledging that, not that there's aliens, but that you know they've been seeing ufos and maybe it's time that we learn how to deal with it what did, what did you guys pick up on that well i noticed that if they're if they're not actually saying uh, aliens like you said but they're allowing it to say unidentified aircraft so you know at least they're allowing the people to actually report them now without uh feeling like these people are crackpots you know and i i think that you know for the longest time, the government denied any kind of program that was going on. And then when that one video came out uh, not too long ago, uh, they find the Department of Defense finally said, yes, we do have something going on. And but it makes sense that they would have something like that happening, because, I mean, whether these crafts are extraterrestrial or not, if something's in our skies, we need to know about it. I mean, and, and it's certainly a, a military concern. Yeah, and I was, you know, I was kind of uh, troubleshooting this in my mind, and what does it actually mean, and and uh, what does it mean for, um, for for our armed services? But you know, I mean, what else could it be? I mean, it's like you don't. I don't think they would want to admit that um, possibly that there's <laughs> craft from another nation, you know, flying in our airspace, uh, mm -hmm. which I'm sure it's not that, but. Um, you know, it's and they they don't want us to think that I'm sure, but uh, I think that uh, you know the the what they did release they released a couple of videos and and um, you know you can't tell too much from those videos. I mean they're amazing nonetheless, but uh, um, <coughs> I just I look at those things and and just wonder. You know, you look at the the one flying at an incredible speed across the ocean. I don't know if you saw that one, and it's like wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm glad that they're, they're actually talking about it now and showing us that it's not us, because that's one of the things they always say is try to use it as an excuse that it's one of ours that's flying there. That it that it's a test vehicle, right? There's a test like test of the new systems and the yeah. new type of aircraft they have and stuff. But here they're actually admitting that no, it's not us. 
So that says a lot. Did you hear the one the one pilot he, he described um, one of them that he almost came in contact with as a uh, a sphere with a cube inside? Which, no, I didn't hear about that. Yeah, yeah. He said he was close enough to see that it actually looked like a clear sphere with a cube inside. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean that's mind blowing right there. I mean, <laughs> what is that? You know, um, you know, it wasn't like he like he saw a saucer with a with a dome on it. You know, or you know, right. it was just that's the oddest thing. And and I guess you know, last night when I was looking. I was looking at videos of this last night, and of course, it showed. Um, I think it was from 2004 um, in Manhattan, New York, some UFOs that were there, which is actually close to, you know, um, where where the the Navy saw these in 2014 and 2015. But you know, people in Manhattan were looking at these seven objects up in the sky, and um, in downtown Manhattan, and they were in formation and doing all kinds of crazy stuff, and they were up there. You know, the video I saw lasted for like 20 minutes and yeah, um, yeah. Wow. no, nobody knows, you know, any had any clue still to what that is. But uh, yeah, so one of one of the videos was it looked like a spinning top and it actually turned and made turns. And um, I, I think that's the one I saw. Yeah. And uh, yeah. The, they were talking about the Navy said that, uh, you know, they, they were reaching 30,000 feet and uh, hypersonic speeds, you know, 30,000 feet really doesn't mean a whole lot to me because you know that our aircraft can only go 30,000 feet or or a little more but uh you mm-hmm. know for 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 short periods of time but you know what does that mean for you know these things are you know did they come from above or did they come from below i don't know right. it's crazy right well you were talking about the one with the uh, clear with the cube in it and as you know we're near area 51 here and uh we actually had an experience a couple of months ago where we saw a uh Actually, it was I, uh, Damien, and his wife, Terry. And we were outside, and we saw a cigar-shaped UFO that had an orb circling around it. It wasn't attached to it. It was circling around it as it flew past. Very interesting. We watched that for quite a while. Yeah, yeah. It went past right right over our heads. Uh, and, uh, yeah, we lo- finally lost sight of it. It just kind of disappeared into the, into the distance. But, yeah. Was there any color to it? What did yeah, it describe um, it, what that looked like? Yeah, it was kind of silvery, and it seemed to be not necessarily reflecting from the sun. This was during the daylight when we saw this. It wasn't necessarily. It may have been reflecting from the sun, but I don't know. But it almost seemed like it was emanating its own light. Uh, but the orb that Ralph was talking about was black, and it would just this ball was going around the circumference of it. And yeah, picture a cigar with a cigar band, and where the cigar band was, was where, so it was like towards one end of it, and it was just circling around it. Yeah, yeah. I've never seen anything like that before. And then I saw something not, when did I see this? I think dart out of the cloud. That was last that was, week. Yeah, right? like just, last just, week. There, I, I was out in my patio, and I was looking out to the different distance, and I was watching this big, uh, eagle or a hawk or something, great, great big thing. And I was watching it and it was flying and there was a cloud in the background. And all of a sudden I saw this black ball dart out of that cloud. And then it went straight uh, to the right. It stopped for a moment and then it went downward to the left, stopped for a moment again, and then darted right back up into the cloud. 
And I waited out there to see if I would see it again. And it never did reappear. I don't, I have no idea what that was. Huh. And again, I'm, I'm not, I'm not going to be quick to say it was uh, alien life. You know, I, I, you know, you spend any amount of time out here in Nevada um, and especially around where we live and pretty much all you got to do is look up and you're going to see something um, that's unidentified. You know, I mean, I in the five years that I've lived here, I swear I've seen probably seven or eight weird things in the sky. You know, I, yeah. You know, um, in Montana, of course, you don't see that much in the sky. So when when you do see something, it was very unusual. For example, today I was at work and uh, I could hear a jet flying over and and um, a small jet. You know, so I thought, well, maybe it was a fighter of some type. And you don't hear that very often. So I ran outside and, you know, I live at this north end of this huge lake and this little jet was circling and it just kept circling and circling over over this little town where I am. And uh, and I saw it had a split wing on the back. So which was unusual, which I've never seen before. And I don't mm-hmm. know too much about jets. So I, I ran inside and looked it up. And yeah, it's a there's it's called, a, a, I think, a Cirrus, Cirrus 140. Um, jet aircraft and it has a small jet engine on the back kind of on top of the of, of the plane and mm-hmm. um, so it it basically um, um, takes takes the air from the top of the plane and um, it, it its exhaust is between the in the wings the v wings and uh, you know it's just really amazing to see that here but uh, um, which I haven't seen anything like that and as it took off, you know, um, just a tremendous burst of speed and, uh, after circling and, and, you know, looking at that thing and seeing how unusual it was and how it, how it was leaving, you know, it, it, it's easy to see something in the sky like that and mistake it for something else. But it's those things that you see that are kind of just floating out there mm-hmm. for a long time, which are very unusual. And for example, the, the, uh, this this guy Ryan Graves, who's a who's an F A eighteen um, Super Hornet pilot, and he was in the Navy for for ten years, and he was one of the the gentlemen who who reported uh, a UFO sighting, and um, he was saying this is quoting him saying, keeping an aircraft in the air requires a significant amount of energy, with the speeds we observed twelve hours, um, you know they're saying what they observed of these aircraft off our East coast. Um, they saw them up there for at least 12 hours at incredible speeds and doing incredible maneuvers. And he's saying that that's 11 hours longer than you would expect. Because I mean, because you know what we're up there burning fuel, like it it could, it's basically just dumping fuel, you know, through an engine. and, And the thing is, I think, you know, I mean, Again, let let's say that these vehicles are not extraterrestrial, you know, and they're 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 man-made. Um, I, I I wonder if they've devised um, a propulsion system, um, kind of like uh, uh, Bob Lazar talks about, where they're not using using real fuel, that they're using some sort of magnetic energy, and I think that that's entirely feasible. But um, getting back to, you know, we were talking about the Navy and uh, uh, the pilots reporting these UFOs. I read that the one of the reasons that they've 
made it made made the rules about reporting UFOs uh, a little more lax on these pilots is because of the fact that pilots are having to report these things because they're I mean they're on on many maneuvers they're having to dodge these things for fear of running into them on a daily basis. That's crazy. I mean, that's isn't it crazy? It's totally amazing to me. And um, you know the. Um, I guess one of the super hornet, the one that had the near collision and he said some of those incidents were videotaped. Of course, we haven't seen those yet. I doubt if we'll ever see that. But um, early in 2015, um, there was one near collision that they have on tape. Um, so, of course, the Defense Department saying, you know, they're not saying that what you are seeing is extraterrestrial. And mm-hmm. they emphasize that... Uh, you know, there, there could be some earthly explanation, but you know, there's, I had posted a, a a picture on my Facebook page and it's a, it's a runway with buildings and it is, um, west of uh, area 51. And it's also west. It's, it's the next lake to the west from, um, Papoose Lake. And, uh, of course, Bob Lazar, when, when he said he was working at S4, he said that was near Papoose Lake, but this one is a little south, and it's it's probably about five miles west of that. Well, it's it's Groom Lake, isn't it? Yeah. No, no Groom Lake's Area Fifty One. Oh, then okay. you have Papoose to the west, and I'm not sure what the one to the oh, left okay. is. Um, to the left, it's it's called uh, Sugar something. There's a there's a town oh, okay. there, and uh, so there's a there's a runway there, and um, there's an airplane hangar or a hangar. Um, the, the runway is black, like it's brand new. And the, um, the front of the hangar that faces the runway is actually round. So it looks like, Mm. you know, you drive some sort of round object in there. Now, I don't know why you would have to have a round, um, you know, round, uh, hangar for, for a round object, but you know, is it inferring? You know, was it built that way so you could see it from the skies? And it says, you know, this is this is a round. <laughs> this is there's something round in this building. But um, there's there is one article that I found on that uh, that that place. And there's a gentleman who wrote this article, and I don't have it in front of me. But the premise of it is that this is a drone testing facility and a manufacturing facility. Um, where they're making experimental drones. So, you know, if, if you took, if you took technology that, that Bob Lazar talks about and put, and you put it in a drone, I mean, why not? I mean, why couldn't they be out there, you know, testing these over the ocean on the East coast? You know, I, Mm -hmm. it could be. Well, I, I totally believe that they're 10, 20 years ahead of what we actually know about. I hope so. Yeah, I, I believe that too. Um, I, I I heard somebody say once that uh, the technology that's in the Nevada skies right now is about twenty years ahead of where we think we are. You know, so I would hope that uh, you know we do have some technology and and um, you know we're the we we're, we're kind of the the leader in that because you know we have there's we do things are great now, but in the future, who knows what we have to worry about. Um, definitely would, would not want to worry about some sort of, uh, alien invasion or, or something like that we have to deal with, or, you know, in addition to, um, <laughs> already our, you know, fighters and, uh, 
other planes off uh, off the west coast of uh, Alaska near the Bering Sea and and you know from Russia and who knows what they're doing but um, I think that uh, you know some of these guys are saying in the Navy that uh, um, like this guy his name is Danny O'Coin and he's going to be on that new History Channel. Um, program that's I think it's on right now and I think it's called Unidentified Inside America's UFO Investigation and I okay. think it starts tomorrow night and um, I don't know much about it but um, I know Very that they're going to you know, they're going to talk about what we're talking about and um, this uh, Lieutenant Graves and uh, a coin along with um, former American intelligence officers I guess it's a six part History Channel series and um, yeah, it is tomorrow. And they talk about pilots began noticing objects in the 1980s era radar. And um, once it was upgraded to a more advanced system, they were absolutely picking up something that they could could not identify. And as as a jet fighter, one after another, got new radar, they all began picking up these objects. Mm-hmm. And um, but ignoring them because they thought they were false radar tracks. Hmm. I mean, it was something that they hadn't seen before, so they were just kind of, kind of shrugging it off, thinking that it was well so- that that. And I also think that you know by reporting it, they were risking their jobs. Yeah, absolutely. There was there was one Navy pilot who actually said that he was going to report it. So, and I I don't know the mechanism of how this works, but he actually had gone. Into this into this room where they where they kept files on radar and to file this report and he was going to attach the report to the recording of his um, of his flight and he couldn't find the recording of his flight it just wasn't available you know as soon as he got there so um, right 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 which go ahead I'm sorry oh I was just going to say I personally I think that one of the reasons that they're they're um, lightening up on the reporting uh, by the uh, pilots is because I believe that probably within the next 10, 15 years, we're finally going to have full disclosure. I really do. And I think the government's finally going to come out and tell us exactly what they know about UFOs. And they may even reveal uh, UFOs that they've backward engineered from crashes, you know, like the the crash in Roswell. Right, right. One of the pilots also reported that... uh he had actually locked on and he thought he was locked on to a drone and he was actually only, it was, it was a pretty decent size object and it was above him about a thousand feet and he couldn't make any visual contact. I mean, he knew mm-hmm. exactly where it was by where it looked, where it was looking on the radar of his plane, but he, he couldn't see it. I mean, so mm-hmm. it was invisible. I don't know. Uh, <laughs> Could have been cloaked somehow. Yeah, yeah, that's pretty incredible. Um, but I think that uh, yeah, they also saw others. Um, they were they were flying in formation, um, ten feet apart. But but then again, I mean, there's some reports, you know, from back in the '50s and '60s, um, naval, naval aircraft in the ocean, or not naval aircraft, but but naval ships in the ocean were also spotting visually UFOs back then. You know, before they had the ability to track them. So uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. And I, I'm just really, really, I don't know if I'm excited to know or anxious to know. It's just, it's just a really weird feeling to hear this. Well, I I don't know if I'm, I am anxious to to know the facts. Uh, On the other hand, I wonder 
what's going to occur once we do get that kind of disclosure. And the reason I say this, I was talking to Ralph about this earlier today, is that when you've had an encounter with an alien or a UFO, it changes your perspective on life. You know, it changes your entire philosophy about the universe. And yeah, I, th I, th I think that the reason that the media and the government suppresses this information and ridicules anybody who does see something like that is because they don't want us paying attention to this kind of stuff for fear that we would maybe even rebel against the government because we're just going to be like, you know, our eyes are open now. We see what you're doing. And so I, 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 there is a conspiracy theory for you. I don't know, but uh, I, I really think that that may be the case. Yeah, I, I'm not anxious to know. I think I already know. I'm just anxious for the confirmation of it. Yeah, right, right. And I'm sure there's some fear there because, you know, the, the, nobody knows what people are going to do. I mean, definitely it's going to be a game changer. Um, as for my, myself, even though relating my own experiences, um, yes, I've had experiences and yes, they were unbelievable and unusual, but, you know, I think over the years, you know, I try to justify that maybe somehow it was my mind playing tricks on me, even though I was in, you know, definite positions where, you know, like, like out in the open away from home and, you know, with other people when things happen. So, um, you know, I still, I still don't know if I believe my own situation 100%. There's always that little grain of, of doubt. And it's only because um, it's just so unusual and so, so unbelievably unique. It's, mm -hmm. you know, and I hear other people's accounts. I mean, you, you guys know, I mean, you hear, you hear things that are, are so amazing and so different than, I mean, you could hear people talk about um, abductees who, who meet um, multiple species and, and, different types of um, beings. Mm -hmm. Yeah, well, I, I have to say, I, I was like you for many, many years where I, I doubted myself. I thought maybe I was just, you know, delusional or that I dreamt the whole thing. But no, I've come to the solid conclusion after talking to other abductees that, uh, yeah, what happened to me definitely happened. I know I'm positive of it. Yeah, and stuff that's happened with me I haven't been the only one there on some of them. So when you have 20 other right. people seeing the same thing as you just saw, it kind of confirms what you're seeing. Tell him about that mass sighting that you experienced. This is back in uh, 1976. We had just moved into a new community, and uh, it was our first 4th of July there. So the whole neighborhood decided to have a 4th of July block party. We lived in a cul-de-sac, so they'd be able to block it off and... We were all there and we had just finished eating dinner and, you know, finished our festivities for the day. And there was, like I said, about 20, 25 people out there and we were cleaning up. And all of a sudden we noticed up over the mountains by us that there was five orangey red lights just zipping around and making all kinds of sharp turns and uh, flying around over the mountains. And of course, we're all sitting there staring at this, like, what is this? And all of a sudden, they all made a V shape, like you would see birds flying. They all got into a V shape, and then they swooped down over our street and flew right over us and then disappeared out into the skyline. But 
there were, like I said, there was 20, 25 people out there watching this. So, you know, we know we saw something. What it was, we don't know. But did anybody get uh, footage of it? Of course not. <laughs> no, and, and, and you have to remember, this is this is uh, back in 1976. Yeah, this was in 76. So, so it's not as though any. People did, you know, kept recording equipment around with them. We didn't, we didn't even have cell phones at that yeah, point, yeah, basically. Yeah, yeah. You know, it's funny today. I was telling you I saw that jet, and I heard initially. I heard and the reason why it interested me so much was because I heard it scream over the the building, and it didn't sound like a jet. It just sounded like some big aircraft was flying right on top of the building. So I started to run out. I had my phone laying there, plugged in. And I, I thought, ah, I'll just leave it there plugged in. It's probably nothing, you know. And I just left it because and it's kind of, kind of, I think, how people think, you know. It's just, well, this, this, this won't materialize into anything, so why even pay much attention to it? But You were talked about getting footage of it. Going back to the uh, day that the three of us here at the house saw the cylinder-shaped, uh, cigar-shaped ship with the orb riding around it, we tried to get pictures of it. I tried my my camera phone. Uh, everybody tried their camera phones. You tried a video camera. Well, I actually went, came back in the house and grabbed my video camera and put it out there. And I could not get it in frame. And I couldn't find it in the frame. I could see it with my naked eye, but I couldn't see it through the frame. Yeah, I think I think um, you know with automatic focusing and everything that's automatic on our phone settings, it makes it really difficult too. Because I've tried to take things, you know, like birds at a distance, and um, I live by a lake, and uh, so I don't know. This winter, sometime there was an eagle, and he was probably about fifty yards um, out on the lake eating a fish that he had caught in open water, and he was standing on the ice and. And I mean, my phone wouldn't let me do anything. Now, I know that there's adjustments on these phones and and with my iPhone, I'm usually using it on whatever automatic mode it is, but I I couldn't do anything. I mean, the the contrast of all this white snow and then this dark eagle there, um, you couldn't you couldn't make out any detail. You couldn't really do much of anything. So, um, you know, I, I still wonder why we don't have you know, some incredible footage. We actually do, I think. Um, I th- oh, yeah. I think yeah. the the New York uh, 2004 Manhattan, that footage is excellent. It just, you didn't, can't get a close-up of what the what these objects are. And, and um, right. some people say they were balloons, but five balloons don't line up and look like one big ball and all of a sudden split off of each other and, you know, fly... <laughs> half a mile apart and then come back together again right. over and over and doing crazy things like that. So, and there, there are a lot of hoaxes out there most definitely, but that's Absolutely. not to just, that's, you know, I mean, just because there are hoaxes out there doesn't mean they're all hoaxes. And especially with drones now, I mean, all these drones come equipped with lights and, right. and, uh, I mean, they look pretty amazing. Um, 4th of July, I think it was 2016, I was at uh, the White House, outside the White House, watching fireworks, and I saw these giant drones. Well, when I say giant, I think they're probably about three feet in diameter. Uh-huh. Three of them take off the top of the White House, and they just disappeared. They just took off and were gone. But, I mean, they looked like something not of this earth, you know, once they got a couple hundred yards up in the air. I mean, it was pretty amazing to see how that changes your perspective for sure. So you guys were we were talking a little bit about um, technology and and uh, 
Bob Blazar a little bit, and of course we were we were uh, referring to um, Element Fifteen and the the <laughs> how how he 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 doesn't theorize, but from information that he's gathered, how Element Fifteen is 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 powers the mechanism of anti gravity in um, vehicles and what one he calls the sport model, which is in S4, which is supposed to be um, underground near uh, Papoose Lake. Um, we all saw the movie, right? Bob Lazar. Oh, yeah. 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 So um, it was a good movie. You, you guys want to talk about that? Sure. Go ahead. Tell me what you thought. Um, well, uh, I don't think the guy is a crackpot. I think he is who he says he is, regardless of the uh, uh, fact that the government has made his past disappear, essentially. Um, I do believe he worked at S4. I do believe he worked on flying saucers. He stated in there that there were, I think, nine of them that they were working with. Yeah. And, you know, I don't know. I, I, I think the guy's legit. I totally, I completely believe him. One of the things that I found fascinating, you know, you're talking about the propulsion system is that he mentioned that the flying saucers are only perpendicular to the ground when they're hovering. Um, but when they actually move, you know, and you can't see it really because they move so fast, but when they move, they're actually moving belly first. And I thought that was interesting because I'd never heard of that theory before. So that kind of fits in with that. Uh, one of those, one of those, uh, radar videos that came with, with, uh, from the U.S. Navy. I mean, it did show um, a vehicle or whatever it was that was captured on radar, and it was it was rotating, it was moving. Right. You know, mm -hmm. which that's the first thing I thought of when I when I actually saw that under on TV was that wow. I mean, and that thing is rotating and moving. Is it doing that to um, fold space time? Is that what he was saying it did? Quite possibly. Yeah. yeah. I mean, is that what Lazar said? It actually folded something space like that. and then yeah. and and literally like fell into that void you know and uh, I'll, be, I'll be i'll be honest with you i enjoyed the 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 documentary i really did but a lot of what he was getting into was way over my head honestly <laughs> so so i was kind of like zoned out a few times when he was talking about this stuff what i thought was fascinating is that a lot of the stuff he talked about like the hand scanners and you know he mentioned certain security guards and all that stuff was that ended up being verified of that a normal person wouldn't know unless they were in that situation. Right. right. Yeah. Um, I think that uh, one of the things that really struck me was that, you know, he, there's the story. Now, I'm, I'm basing a lot of my information, what I'm thinking on a couple of Art Bell shows where he, he was on Art Bell um, one of the Art Bell shows, and I don't, I don't know who was with him, and I don't think it was George Knapp, but it was somebody that uh, um, was w knew a lot about physics. So um, Lazar kept referring to different scenarios and situations that had happened at S4 to this gentleman, and the gentleman would, from time to time, correct him, you know, like, well, this actually happened, or or how it worked was, and I, I never did find out who that guy was, and of course, that old Art Bell episode, um, they pulled commercials out of it, the introduction's not there, so 
Um, it was kind of interesting to know, but you know, Bob Lazar is a smart guy. I, if you saw him, you know, he was he was building uh, rocket bikes, um, jet bikes. Um, he builds. Uh, he also has you know his business where he sells. Um, um, fireworks. He, well, he sells he sells chemicals for fireworks. He okay. sells um, radioactive material. He sells T-shirts and cups and and yeah. uh, you know all kinds of stuff related. Um, he's even trying to um, get uh, Element 15, which is Moscovium. Call, he wants it to be called Lazarium. So, <laughs> so that's, that's pretty funny. I, I didn't really, you know, I think, uh, I liked Jeremy Corbell's style and I liked the filming and, and I liked how the whole thing looked. Um, I think I could have done without Mickey Rourke, even though I think Mickey Rourke is cool. It just didn't fit in where all right. of a sudden he starts talking and you're like, what? <laughs> that's like suddenly Billy Bob Thornton. <laughs> right, right. Just, and I was like, strange. what? And I knew that Mickey Rourke was going to be on there, but I didn't know he's going to sound like Mickey Rourke, you know? Yeah. Um, I saw uh, an update with George Knapp uh, just recently, uh, in, uh, you know, because George Knapp is still working on eight news now here in Las Vegas. And he was the one who initially broke the story. Right. Um, Bob Lazar. And anyway, they, 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 they just recently had an update and they were, didn't really say much more than what you could get from, you know, you can glean from a movie. Uh, but uh, uh, Lazar was saying that he's still in desperate fear of his life and his home is getting raided constantly, even still today. And it's, it's like they're keeping him under wraps. They're keeping their thumb on him to make sure that he doesn't say anything more or, you know, reveal anything that they don't want him to. You know that when, when they first broke the story, when uh, Knapp first broke the story, um, Lazar was... Uh, used a pseudonym and he was he was Dennis yeah, right <laughs> and it was I, it wasn't nearly as exciting you know when when Dennis was talking it kind of sounded uh, you know here's this little I and mean, he was young at that time I mean what is that like 1980 something yeah and, and yeah. you know he was just this little skinny guy and he still is but um you know it, he fit the part though I mean honestly if if you're gonna pick a guy on this planet to work at s4 area 51. <laughs> And work on flying saucers. I mean, Bob Lazar would, to me, looks like he's he's a great great prospect. So yeah, yeah, yeah. I kind of wonder. I again, I have no doubt that the guy's legit, and I have no doubt that he worked on these UFOs. And I kind of wonder how he reacted the first time he was introduced to one of these vehicles. And I'm kind of betting Bob Lazar, being who Bob Lazar is, I'm wondering if he wasn't surprised in the least. I mean, he kind of, when he was talking about it, he said they were walking through this building and he kind of reached out to touch it. Of course, they didn't want him to do that, but right. he seemed kind of indifferent when he told that story, which uh -huh. um, I don't know how, how many times you could tell that story and not get excited about it because that's, that's, <laughs> just, that's just crazy, man. That's, yeah. like, that's something yeah. so incredibly different. Yeah. yeah. Well, I thought one of the interesting things he talked about was how uh, you know, well, some of this information got out, but they weren't concerned about it because basically the secrets are easy to keep because if you tell people about it, they don't believe you anyway. Right. And they just, they've tried to discredit him so right. many times, you know? So, yeah. But see, I think that that's part of it. I think that that's part of that conspiracy thing I was telling you about. Right. They're trying to make people look like crackpots this when they're they don't not. Believe what he's saying. So yeah, exactly. Yeah. You know, it's all part of that cover up. 
How do they make your background disappear, though? That's that's like, you know. Oh, and, and I don't know. I, I've I've heard there are people in the CIA as well as the FBI uh, that, I mean, their whole job is to erase people. Men in black. Know? Well, no, not so much that. Um, but I'm I'm talking about just erasing your credibility. You know, erasing your background. You know. I mean, Bob Lazar isn't the only one I've heard of that has had this happen to them uh, 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 during during the uh, uh, the, uh, the during the Cold War. Um, there were a lot of people that were spies, and their backgrounds were eliminated. Right. You know, so yeah. Um, Stanton Friedman he uh, he um, looked into it, and he verified that Lazar took electronics courses in the late '70s at Pierce Junior College in Los Angeles, and and at the same time, that's when um, Lazar contends that he was in MIT in Massachusetts. So um, he, mm. Friedman also said that that uh, Lazar graduated from high school in the bottom third of his class and that the only science classes that he took was chemistry. And he believes that, you know, that would make it almost certainly almost impossible for Lazar to attend MIT as they only take, you know, the top percentiles. So, right. um and, 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 you know, top percentiles of students that have taken, you know, science and chemistry and, and basically any science that you could take at a larger high school. Um, and then Friedman also said that uh, um, that he thinks that he lied about MIT, he lied about Caltech, and uh, he also checked and, and no professors remembered Lazar um, from any of the yearbooks, and there were no records of him attending, and he couldn't remember the year he obtained his master's, and he was also wasn't a member of any of the professional bodies there. And and um, MIT um, told Friedman that there was there was no way to expunge someone from their records. But like you said, um, <laughs> uh, the CIA could make that information disappear. They could make you disappear. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. There's a lot of holes in the desert. A lot of holes in the desert, especially where you guys live. Yeah, yeah. And I'm sure there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he had an interesting life, and um, you know, in the '90s, he was uh, arrested for abating and abetting a prostitution ring, and um, I he for felony pandering. So sounds like maybe they were trying to harass him a little bit. Um, yeah, but he also mentioned in the movie, you know, because apparently George Knapp had a conversation with him about it, and he's like, you know, why did you do this? He's like, look, I had to make money somehow, right? You know, so and so I, I can't totally blame him for that, but it was probably a stupid move on his part. Well, and he was doing computer work, so it sounded like most of that was computer work. So, um, you know, I don't think that's unusual, especially. Well, did didn't he also wasn't he also installing surveillance cameras in the brothels, and that's why he. He's been banned from the brothels. Yeah, I know that he he did a little bit of that too. So I I didn't really get all of what he was doing there, but um, but it's it's really interesting that that you know he and then he set up his uh, wife with a she had a, some kind of photo processing shop or or whatever. So you know it's not like they they had a lot of money and they right. were they were always being creative and you know trying to Well and money. after all this thing this whole thing broke and he came out about all this stuff uh, out of the shadows 
you know, I mean, the, he was he was no longer accepted in the scientific community if he was at all. I think he was, but at one time. But but you know, after he left S four and broke all this, he had no place to go. I mean, so so you were mentioning that he s- sells you know little memorabilia, coffee cups, and God knows what right, else. Right, right. That's not surprising at all. He's just trying to make a buck. Right. And, um, you know, he does, he does have a lab, so he does, you know, work with chemicals and, and, uh, he, I think he had got an arrest, he got arrested too for building, uh, actually it was for mailing, um, um, prohibited chemicals. And that was, had to do with, uh, the chemicals that he was mailing to build, um, rocket engines and, and fireworks. So, okay. um, yeah. So that's kind of interesting. Um, element, 115 which did you did you get the part where they how they were actually taking and forming that triangle of element 115 so it fit in the the machine i I, you know i really did ralph did you understand that i I understood it a little bit it was they were getting into too technical of things that yeah, just really kind of went way over my head actually like, i'm not a scientist you know? so what they did they had um you know they had a this machine and um basically it somehow amplified gravity and it had a- gravity amplifiers in it but in the center of the machine was a small um i guess the the main the main producer and um, or whatever it did with this element 15, it was just a small component right in the dead center of the vehicle. So um, they actually, I think they took some of this element 115 down to Los Alamos. And that's where I think Lazar said they took it. And then they had to have it milled. So they, they took the, the, and I think they had up to like 500 pounds or something, maybe 700 pounds of this stuff. And they would take the product and they would form it into a cylinder. And then out of this cylinder, they would um, mill this triangle that when you looked at it, the edges of the triangle were rounded, you know, so Mm -hmm. it it came to a point. So that's what they needed to fit inside this inside this uh, piece of machinery that that amplified gravity. But um, and he so. Has it ever been, I'm, I'm sorry, has it ever been uh, discerned, is this elemental 115, is it um, extraterrestrial in origin or not? Did we create it or not? Well, the, the premise there would be that, yeah, it's, it's, it's extraterrestrial in, in origin because um, it occurs probably in nature um, in some star systems that have tremendous pressure. I mean, tremendous, tremendous pressure. Mm-hmm. Um, it's extremely, um, radioactive. Um, it's, it does have a most stable isotope. It has an isotope, which is Moscovium 290 and it's half life is only 0.65 seconds. Oh, wow. So, so basically it's most stable element, um, wouldn't be around long. So, or most st- stable isotope rather. Well, and that's, I guess that leads to my next question here. If that's a case, if it, if, if it degrades quickly, Let's say they have 500 pounds of this stuff. Um, can it be easily replicated? No, not yes. here. Not here. See, so. And, and that's, that's just it. I wonder how long we will have that 500 pounds around if they're doing tests yeah. on these things. Well, and, and he he actually, Lazar said that uh, he um, they had asked. You remember when he asked? They asked if he had any. If he if he well, yeah, and that's one of the reasons he's being raided. And he didn't say no. 
you know? Yeah, he didn't say no. He just said, I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I yeah, would he, he avoided a few questions. Yeah. I would have said, no way, man. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, you know, it'd be, he, he did say something about alluding to the fact that maybe he would have taken it back to test it in his lab, which, which, you know, just the fact that he would have some sort of testing equipment in there uh-huh. for, for element 115, Moscovium, which is super, super radioactive. Um, can, can everybody in America have that testing equipment? I mean, it seems unusual that somebody would have that. Yeah. Whatever that would You be. know, as smart as this guy seems, to be quite honest, he really lets the cat out of the bag at the wrong times, I think. And that's one of the times I think, I think I, like you said, I think I would have just said, nope, I don't have it. Right. You know, I mean, rather than alluding to the idea that maybe I did, you know, and, and then he wonders why he's under investigation all the time. And he's super awkward, you know, so it's yeah, not, very. it's not like, uh, you know, he does blurt out, he doesn't usually blurt out things, but when he does say something, it's, it's usually kind of at the wrong time. And, um, right. and it's, he's kind of hard to understand. Um, I was going to say some more about, you know, Moscovium, the interesting part about it, and this is a segue to something, my theory is what's going on there with Bob Lazar, but Moscovium, um, you know, was, was synthesized in Russia in 2003, and, um, and it said it was synthesized by a joint team of Russian and American scientists for a, for a confab called the Joint Institute for Nuclear Research, but um, it was recognized as, as one of four new elements. And uh, so that was uh, during, um, in 2003, but they didn't recognize it until like 2015. And when they, when they literally made it, um, so this, I, I'm pretty sure I'm right, but what they do is they, they um, in a collider, they, they take... Uh, they take um, americium, where you get that, I don't know, and then and then fire it at calcium. I think it's calcium. And um, so the signature that it gives off, so they're looking for this specific signature. They, they can't tell if they have the element, but they know what the signature looks like for, for the radiation it gets, gives off. So mm-hmm. that's how they mm-hmm. test it for the, for the byproduct when it degrades, you know, instantly. You know, even, you couldn't even, I mean, it probably... It only exists um, five decimal places to the right, you know, of 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 some number. So, uh-huh. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> but it's uh, it's not a it's it's it has properties similar to nitrogen, phosphorus, arsenic, antimony, and bismuth, and uh, it's a post-transition metal. So when you look at it on the periodic table of elements you know, it's kind of down, <laughs> down below on its own and right. with, with some of these others. But, uh, um, so I don't, let me just throw this at you. And, and, uh, um, so here's Bob Lazar with no, no credentials and he's a nobody. I mean, it's like he was literally jerked out of high school almost and, um, put on a fast track to, um, to be a physicist. And, right. um, so what is that? mean to me um you know they started working on these uh, experimental elements and um, particle colliders you know a long time ago in the 70s and and uh i think 
and you know, I know that at that time, just like we had the space race, we, you know, we had a, we also had a race to um, compete with Russia to, or at the Soviet Union rather at the time to um, produce these these rare um, elements, which uh, mm-hmm. you know whether they had a, a practical value at the time, who knows? But um, some of the questions that I had were, um, you know, what would be the the cheapest way? You know, we could say that the U.S. What what a unique thing that the U.S. can say. We have Element 15. We can produce um, anti gravity with not anti gravity, but we can fold time with it. We can we can um, produce um, a gra- I think it was a gravity wave um, magnifier out with this Element 15. Well, of something that you know that we Russia as it was actually produced in Russia. Um, so, <laughs> so you can look at several possible solution to the question, whether did Bob Lazar work at S4? Um, let's say that he did work at S4. And, uh, so what does that mean? Well, he could have worked at S4 and they could have had flying saucers and, and, uh, they could have element 115, um, then again, how valuable would it be to the United States if we wanted Russia to think that we had Element 115? Right. Because it's, it's the the implications of that are, are huge because it's it's a weapon of mass destruction as well. I'm sure somehow. So, right. um, you know, could Bob Lazar? Could they have trained him to say that he did all this in order to in a Cold War tactic? Or did they produce this whole laboratory? Did they produce these flying machines? Did they produce, um, you know, this 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 uh, element one fifteen to show Bob Lazar so he could tell the world? I don't know. There's there's three things there that I'm thinking about. One, you know, legitimately it is it is a, a, a element that we that we have. So I don't know. I I just you know I. It's hard to say, and, and with his story, and how did he become a physicist incredibly fast and, you know, at such a young age and in such a so, prominent position? So what you're saying is he possibly could have just worked there as a janitor and stumbled upon something, and they went, hey, you know what, this might work. Well, they could. I'm saying they could have actually pulled him in and said, you know, I mean, he was he was probably a real vulnerable guy and very impressionable at that age because, uh-huh. you know, he wasn't probably wasn't the coolest guy in school. So, um, you know, <laughs> we you know we we got this job for you. It's unbelievable. So they bring him in. You know, um, they uh, they um, they have this all set up. You know, they have. They have rooms, they have a lab, they have lab equipment, you know, and they show him on a need to know basis because he wasn't there long. Yeah, it wasn't there, you know, in a real long time. But, you know, um, he saw enough to bring back. And what what made me think of this isn't even related to this. Well, it kind of is. And I go back to that that um, that runway that I saw on on Google Maps with the buildings and that one building sitting there that has clamshell doors on the front that uh-huh. are round, you know, right. that tells me, do we want somebody from outer space to look down and think that we have some round object right at the end of a runway sitting there? You know, I, I it just, well, it, and it seems that thing seems, 
Well, and then here's the other thing, you guys, is the fact that it's just on the uh, the nuclear test site in in the desert there um, to mm-hmm. the west of uh, Groom Lake. It's right there, right below mm-hmm. it, you know, a half a mile from it. And how do you, why would you build something so close to a nuclear test site? I mean, there's radiation there of some kind. I would imagine so, and I would imagine you'd have to take precautions if you were working there, but it would also keep the public away, I would imagine. Right, exactly, exactly. Um, so, I don't know. But you, you would mention, you know, do we really want the aliens looking down and seeing something like this? Um, I, personally, I'm of the opinion that the, our government and possibly other governments are working with aliens right now, and I think that that's going to be part of the uh, full disclosure once we finally do get it. Yeah, I agree with you, but if we're working with aliens, I don't know if we're working with all of the aliens. No, no, no. I, I several cert- different types out there. Yeah, I, I certainly believe it's probably just the one race and uh, uh, known as the Greys. Um, I, I, but I, yeah, I truly believe that. I think that uh, you know when I'm thinking about this, I've created like for me way more questions. I mean, I really want to you know know about. What I don't know, I want to know about Area 51, but I also want to know about every other facility there. And there's a bunch of them. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's stuff all over the place there. You look sure. at Google Maps, and it's totally amazing. And yeah, you know, and not just here in Nevada, right? Yeah, um, California has you know really secret um, air bases, and and uh, Utah, and and uh, I mean, there's a lot of incredible things going on. And you know, there's I have a lot of questions, but. Um, I think that, uh, you know, you get such a variety of answers. I'm going to post a, a YouTube video tonight on my, on my Facebook page, but there's a really unique individual who um, I watched last night give a 90-minute lecture on uh, Area 51 and working at Area 51, and, mm. and I'd never heard of him before, and I'm not, I can't even say his name right now. I can't remember it, but um, he, he's talking about um, elevators that, that uh, in hangars that two um two boeing 747s could sit side by side they're so huge and they drop down at least 500 feet you know and things like that and and uh he jokes around and he said he was in area 51 taken to this elevator and lowered it and um he's given a tour because he's working there and you know, he said his question was, where'd you guys put all the dirt? You know, and he's always making these jokes. It's sort of funny, but um, yeah. I'm going to post it. And, and there are some guys out there but who have said they work there, but you don't see them very much anymore. I mean, maybe one or two videos of, of a couple of different guys, and that's about all you see. Mm. Yeah, uh, yeah, definitely post that. In fact, if you'll do me a favor, send that to me in a, in a private message. And because uh, I'd like to throw that up on our Black Lotus uh, uh, yeah, discussion group, I think I think people would enjoy that. Do you ever remember seeing anybody else that had on on online or anywhere else that had worked at Area Fifty One? Yeah, actually, <laughs> there was a. I, I went to I went to the local hair salon to get my hair cut, and the guy that was there was an older guy, you know, he's probably in his sixties, you know, and I said, have you ever always cut hair? He says, no, he says, I was in the air force for quite a while. And he said, I worked up at the place. I went, Nellis. He goes, no, the other place. And I went, Oh, is that right? Really? That's interesting. And, right on. Um, I said to him, I said, uh, uh, 
you know, he, he told me, he's, he told me, he says, there's a lot he can't talk about, but I did have him confirm, you know, we have Janet airlines that flies right over our house. And for those of you who don't know, Janet airlines is the only way that employees get in and out of area 51. And anyway, so, and I had heard a rumor that the windows along the fuselage are all blacked out because, you know, everybody's there on a need to know basis. So when they're landing, if there's something going on, the only person who can see what's happening out there is the pilot. And he says, oh, yeah, that's absolutely true. You know, but yeah, he couldn't get into anything else. And I don't know if I believe him or not, but I, I don't not believe him. You know? Well, there's no reason for him to lie when he's just cutting your hair. Yeah, right, right, right. Yeah. Well, just to give you a little bit of perspective, as, as you're telling this story, I'm thinking and and I actually do know somebody who says that they worked at Area 51 and and he actually works at Home Depot here. And okay. um, I've been at Home Depot a bunch of times and um, he he segues into he I guess he had had brain cancer. So um, he's a survivor and really nice kid. He must be about 30. And, uh, he segues into his survival of brain cancer through area 51. So he, he tells everybody and, and he's a talker and he talks a lot. And, um, and the reason why that I wasn't remembering him is because he's, you know, I guess there's a lot of people who probably have brought up that they've worked there and we don't listen to him very closely because it, number one, it's an unbelievable story when somebody tells you that because it's just unusual. But yeah, he, he said he was there and, um, he talks about the history of the place and he knows a lot about it. And, um, I was actually getting paint there one day and, um, I caught him, um, on the computer there and he was looking at area 51 and, and different aircraft and, and uh, so, you know, who knows? I mean, there's got to be a lot of people that work there. And and um, um, there's a gentleman that I'm going to have on next week who actually worked at Area 51. And he I watched a video last night about him. And he said there were so many people that um, worked at Area 51 that, you know, didn't have highly classified jobs Um you know, and sure, because the place needs to be cleaned up. I mean, it's custodians people, too, right? A lot of people, and I've seen yeah. pictures of of people um, at the airport in in Vegas getting on those planes. You know, lines of people. Mm-hmm. So, um, to me, that's really interesting because um, they must do it in a place where you can't see that very well. Because I haven't seen too much of that, but when, what I have seen looks like there's a lot of employees, and there's got to be. It's a huge facility. Yeah, uh, I've been down to McCarran Airport where uh, uh, Janet Airlines is based, and yeah, you can't see it very well at all. There's a huge parking lot between that and the uh, uh, the, the tarmac. But I mean, yeah, a lot of parking available. So you know, yeah, I'm sure there's a ton of people that work there. Right, 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 right. Um, we're about out of time. Anything you guys want to say in uh, before we go? Uh, you know, no, not really. But uh, hey, thanks for having us on, man. I I, I really thanks, enjoyed boys. talking with you. Yeah, it was great, great talking with you. Thank you, Ralph. Yeah. Thank you, Damien. And and next week, the the gentleman I was talking about is uh, T D Barnes. He's an author and he's worked at Area Fifty One and um, a lot of experience in the uh, aerospace business and and contracting with CIA and and he's all over the internet and he likes to give a good interview. So he's going to be here next Wednesday night and we'll talk to him and, and thank you guys. And let's do this again. Um, you know, let's not wait a month. Let's do it 
yeah. do it soon. So we'll well, we to, need to have you on our show. I would, I would love to. Days. I would love to. Yeah. So I'll, but, I'll let me know and that, I'll clean the house. <laughs> speaking of that, uh, do us a favor and drop uh, the link to our ch- uh, YouTube channel uh, uh, in your description there. It's uh, oh, YouTube. Do- will. Yeah. Yeah. YouTube.com backslash Black Lotus Productions. Pretty easy to get there. And how often do you guys uh, do material? Uh, usually it's just once a week, but, uh, sometimes we do, uh, uh, kind of a shorter show sometime during the week. How long does it take you to research that? Uh, about a week. Yeah. <laughs> so we, yeah, what's the so, process? Um, well, the process is we just, I mean, there, so there's so much information on the internet that a lot of it is crap. You know what I mean? And so we have to weed through that stuff and, and, kind of decide on our own what's real and what's not. And so, I mean, so there is a lot of research that we put into these things. And like I said, I mean, we usually upload the shows on Sundays uh, and then from Monday through Saturday, we're researching stuff. Yeah, we try to to research pretty deep into it. And it seems like uh, no matter what we try not to, we end up going down rabbit holes and going way into it deeper than we anticipated. Right. In fact, the Area 51 show that we did, I mean, it was just rabbit hole after rabbit hole after rabbit hole. I mean, Bob Lazar is just the, I mean, you're just stri- the scratching expert. the surface with him. You know, right. But, so when you approach somebody to be a guest, um, <laughs> here's something that I, I found interesting. So I'll email somebody and ask them if they want to be on my podcast. The first thing they ask, is it audio or video? Because they don't want to be on video. Video. <laughs> yeah, they they don't like the way they look, and it didn't really even occur to me that that would even be a thing. But yeah, but, uh, it's one of the problems we have with guests. In fact, we had a problem with uh, Shitan. Oh, how do you say it? Shitan Noir, and um, we were going to have her on, and she's a guest speaker at conventions and all that stuff. It really kind of a cool, really cool person, and but she didn't have a webcam. Right. And it's like, well, I can't do it without it. You know, <laughs> it's it's a, it's a video program, you know, I mean, and I wouldn't want to have it with, you know, Ralph and I on the video and then just her voice coming across, you know, kind of a combination podcast video cast. I really didn't want to do that. So, yeah, that's 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 really the only problem. We've had a lot of people approach us, you know, and say, hey, I, I'm available if you'd like to. Uh, have have me on the show and I've, I've approached other people and we've got great responses off of everybody, but yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of people with a lot of cool stories and, and I think it'd be fun to do that via video and, and have 10 people and just do a marathon of of (laughs) stories, you know, because, um, when, when people hear other stories, they just get totally pumped up about it and they want to talk about it and they love it. Well, and I think this community this the UFO community as well as the paranormal community is kind of a tight knit community. I can't even begin to tell you how many people we've met worldwide that are involved with this stuff in research. And they know each other. And they know right. each other. It's, right. it's it's really it's really an interesting network. I mean, that's how I got to know you. I know, <laughs> so, I know. That's that's absolutely true. And I think it's funny because Facebook, you know, brings all these people together and 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 so like you'll be you'll be um thumbing through facebook or whatever and uh you come to the the part that has suggested friends you know and you see somebody interesting you click on them and you know you know how the algorithm works i mean they'll pick out (laughs) all these people that are friends of friends and then people that have ufo interests or whatever or whatever you're into and it's just it's just crazy how many people there are i mean you could literally um honestly if you spent a day um 
just going through these people and spend a second each on them, um, there's there's got to be millions. I mean, oh, yeah. you know, in this nation alone. And, and then, of course, um, in the U.K. and Australia, that's big. You see uh, people from Africa who have um, Facebook pages, and they, they are, like, serious. I mean, they ask... They, their questions are, you know, like, are they after us? You know, are, are they, yeah, are they yeah, coming right. to get us and things like that? I mean, there's serious, there's some serious fear there. And it's, it's just really an interesting thing to, to see how this whole process works. And I'm happy to be a part of it. I'm happy to have you guys and know you guys. I'm going to come down to Las Vegas within the year and I'd like and to, look us up. Yeah. I'd like look to meet up. you guys and I'd like to go out to the Groom Lake Road and and do that trip because um, that looks like a lot of fun and, yeah. and uh, you know, hopefully we'll stay out of trouble. <laughs> <laughs> My guests again tonight, uh, Damien and Ralph, Black Lotus Productions. You can check them out on YouTube. Check them out on Facebook. Thanks, gentlemen, very much. Thank, Thank you. you. My Alien Life You can find my website at www.myalienlifepodcast.com and please subscribe to my latest downloads at iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, and at podbean.com. And please follow me and like me on Facebook and Twitter. My Alien Life is written and produced for broadcast at Studio 254 in the Northern Rocky Mountains. The music you are hearing is produced and created by Elion. You can find all Elion's work online at Heart Dance Records. Thank you.